Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We have been going through the dispensations. We looked at the dispensation of conscience, uh, of innocence, of conscience, of human government. And now we are on the dispensation of promise. We laid out some foundation uh, before we even got started into this and understanding the difference between um, we, we drew out the distinction between what the word dispense means in the Bible and then uh, d- rightly dividing and what that means. And the big takeaway you hear me say throughout these messages is that the dispensing of God's truth, we need to be careful that we don't put a timeline on it. We looked at that in the dispensation of innocence, and that happened in the garden. And we said that that truth, God never recalled, it's still active even today. Even though what had happened in the garden is over, this idea of innocence is still present. Young babies, young children, those that don't understand right from wrong. And we talked about that. And then conscience. All of us have a conscience. That truth was dispensed after the fall. And we talked about that and how that our conscience will bear witness to right and wrong. We talked about how our innocence can't save us. God had to step in. Our conscience can't save us. God has to step in. And we see we start to see this pattern as we go through these dispensations. Human government. God had to step in and now... um, The people were dealt with based on what their ruler did, what their leader did. How'd that work out? Not so good. Tried to get to God on their own. But now tonight, we're going to discuss the dispensation of promise. There are some other names that it may go by, depending on who's teaching it or what book or chart you're looking at. But the dispensation of promise sometimes is referred to as family, sometimes is referred to as the dispensation of patriarch or a patriarchal dispensation. But this dispensation or this dispensing of God's truth, as we try to be specific on, um, starts, started with the call of Abraham. And it basically was the time to Israel's arrival at Mount Sinai where the law was given. So it's a period of about 400 and 30 years when we're trying to look at this at this timeline. And God spoke to one man, Abraham. And he calls out a people. And he gave Abraham and Abraham's people promises. And these promises that God gave to Abraham were for him and his nation, not for any of the other nations. Now, during the dispensation of human government, God dealt with leaders. And you can say it's much the same in what we're talking about tonight, promise. But the distinction is in that this is a specific nation. Not all of the nations. Okay. Human government, people were basically dealt with based on what their leader did. Now. This dispensation of promise lasers in on Abraham and Isaac 
and Jacob, the patriarchs. And human government, that, that truth when it was dispensed out applied to everyone. But not this one. This truth is applying now this dispensation of promise, specific promises given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their physical seed. It's important to note that this, we can learn from this promise or from these promises, but those promises were not and are not for us. And most of rightly dividing the word of truth and understanding the Bible most of the mix-ups, if not all of the mix-ups, come from blending Israel and the church. In one way or another, someone takes a promise that God gave Israel and they make it part of the New Testament church somehow, in some way, and you come up with doctrinal error. Because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Who was it for? How does that apply into us being able to learn from it, but not try to lay claim of those promises? We have a heavenly, we have a spiritual home in heaven. Abraham was promised an earthly piece of land. Okay. There's, an earth, there's earthly promises, there's spiritual promises. But this dispensation of promise, it starts, this truth starts to be dispensed out in Genesis chapter 11, if you wouldn't mind turning there. We'll get the Bible. We'll look at Genesis chapter 11. Look at verse number 10. Genesis chapter 11, verse number 10. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was an hundred years old and begat a fraction two years after the flood. You can get your timeline there. Look at verse number 12. And a fraction begat Selah. Look at verse number 14. And, and, and Selah uh, begat Eber. Look at verse number 18 uh, or 16. Eber begat Peleg. Look at verse 18. Peleg begat Reu. Look at verse 20. Reu begat Sarag. 22. Sarag begat Nahor. 24. Nahor begat Terah. 26. Terah begat Abram. There it is. Nahor and Haram. See that verse 26? Now go down to verse 29. And the Bible says, and Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah. Look at verse 30. Look at verse 30. But Sarah was barren and had no child. That's the, the begatting. <laughs> that's the lineage. That's the, that's the building up of where we're going. In Genesis chapter number 12, look at verse number one. Here's the promises. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great 
and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. The promise, he would be the father of a great nation. The promise, his descendants would be blessed. The promise, in thee all families of the earth be blessed. Now, I want to stop, pause, and park here. We did many lessons. We went verse by verse through the book of Galatians. And one of the lessons that we did was the two seeds of Abraham. Unless you are a physical descendant, a Jew, you don't get to partake in the land that God promised the nation of Israel. But by faith, uh, uh, Abraham believed God. Okay, so he is our father by faith. There's two seeds. There's a physical seed and there's a spiritual seed. And so we're not going to go into all of that, but we do have a lesson on that that I believe is, is helpful. But Abraham, he's the patriarch. But Abraham has many failures. Okay. Well, one, go to Genesis 16. He fathered Ishmael. That's one. Genesis chapter number 16. Look at verse number one. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. And Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. And gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. When he went in unto Hagar and she conceived. When she saw that she had conceived. Her mistress was despised in her eyes. Sarai realized the result really of a poor counsel. But there was failure. Look at verse number 15. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. So there's failure in Abram's life. Look at Genesis chapter 12 again. God told Abraham to dwell in Canaan. Look at Genesis chapter number 12. We read verses 1 through 3. Let's... Let's keep reading verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son. And all their substance that they had gathered. And the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land and the place of Shechem under the plain of Morah and the Canaanite was then in the land and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him 
That's pretty good. We keep reading. We come down for the sake of time. Come on down to verse number 10. Abraham decided. Well, it says, and there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. He shouldn't have gone down to Egypt. To relate that to our lives, God told us to go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Where are you going? Where am I going? To make some practical application, God gave us a specific command on where to go. And yes, we are supposed to meet in the church house and gather corporately as saints. Yes, we're told to do that too. But you know what else he told us to do? Go ye. Go ye out. Compel. Preach the gospel. We find our own Egypt to, go, to get into, don't we? And we just bring ourselves into bondage. We do because we don't get to get in on the full blessings of doing and going where God told us to go. It's got nothing to do with whether or not you're saved. If you've trusted Christ, you're saved. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It has to do with now, where are you going to go? You're going to go where God told you to go, or are you going to go where you want to go? We all need to um, answer that for ourselves. Um, but look, this dispensation of promise, yeah, God gave promises. Abraham, the patriarch, there's many failures down this line. Look at verse number 11 in Genesis chapter 12. Let's read a few more verses. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai's wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. That's a nice thing to say to your wife. <laughs> it is. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister. That it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Maybe this isn't such a great plan. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the women of uh, the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sleep and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was my wife? He deceived he deceived Pharaoh. Why sayest thou? She is my sister. So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now, therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away and his wife and all that 
he had. He does the same thing in Genesis chapter 20. It's not my wife, my sister. Go to Genesis chapter 26. Isaac learns from daddy. Isaac deceives Abraham's second son. His wife Sarai and in Genesis chapter number 26. How about we start at verse 7? Genesis 26, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out the window and saw Behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is thy wife. And how saidst thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have leaned with thy wife, lying with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon thee. And Abimelech charged all, his people, charged all his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then you have Isaac and Rebekah. They had a son, Jacob. I mean, he was a deceiver from birth. Not starting out so great, huh? All through these dispensations, just trying to point out there's failures in each and every one of these dispensations. And now with this dispensation of promise or patriarch or family, whatever you decide to call it, there's failure. There's deception. How did God speak during this dispensation? During, during this time, he didn't speak to any Gentile. He didn't speak to any other nation. They didn't get any scripture at all. They got no revelation from God. But God spoke directly. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and Joshua. Either by affirming promises or further expanding upon promises. That's how God was speaking during that time. You weren't in that line. You got nothing from God. Well, how did you live? Based on your own conscience. And based on the previous dispensation. Where God dispensed the truth of human government. And that was set up. So how did you live? Well, whoever was ruling over you in that nation. That's how you lived. <laughs> you were. You were. Dealt with by God based on what your leader did or didn't do. <clears throat> the problem with some of the dispensational charts is that they will draw a line between it starts here and it ends here. 
and then the next dispensation starts here and ends here, and then the next dispensation starts here and ends here. And what we're trying to do is reconsider that idea and filter it through the Bible and answer the question, do they stop? No. There's a rightly divided line when that happened. And there's certainly a time frame or a time period when that truth was dispensed and those things played out. But what I'm trying to draw out, what we need to be careful of, and what is the main point of all of this, is that it didn't end. Those promises don't end. Innocence, the duration is still going on. Conscience, it's that truth is still alive. Human government, it didn't end when... The dispensation of promise started. And the same thing now with this promise. What do you mean by that? We'll get Genesis 17 and we'll look at some scripture because this will make it real clear. Now, again, this isn't for us. Meaning we don't partake in the promise, but it is for our instruction. Genesis chapter 17, look at verse number four. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thou name be any more name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and my seed after thee in their generations here it is for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee you know what type of covenant it is an everlasting one Look at verse number eight. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. You got an everlasting covenant, everlasting possession. Do you have everlasting life as a born-again child of God? Is that going to end? No. Do you think there's a time when this dispensation ended? You think it ended in Exodus 19 when God gave the law? No, God gave the law. We'll look at that next. New truth was dispensed, but God didn't recall the previous truth. Okay. And Genesis 17, verse number 19, one more on this. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. There you have it again, everlasting covenant. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, name changed to Israel. And what happened in 1948? They became a nation. You know how? By a vote. They became a nation from a vote of the United Nations. 
Now, praise the Lord. We can see God's providential hand in that. But they've got some promises that have yet to be fulfilled. Not going to be fulfilled at the law. Not going to be fulfilled at the church age. Not going to be fulfilled till we get all the way through um, the time of Jacob's trouble. And now we're going to start to see the fulfillment of all of these promises that God said he'd give that nation. But you and I aren't going to get those problems. We're not going to get land. The nation. And when he breathes life into them. Ezekiel 37. Then that nation becomes alive. Spiritually. God dispensed this truth. God is not. Recalling this truth. What people group has been most hated? The Jews. Why? God's chosen people. Be careful about leaders voting against Israel. It's not going to stop God's promise. That's not an option. <laughs> That's never going to happen. But we need to be careful. Leaders need to be careful of not siding with God. <laughs> okay. That's it. Pete. One little nation. One little piece of land. They're going to get that land. Now they've got, you know, so. Just know. That when you see a dispensational chart and it says, well, it ended here, it didn't end. It's an everlasting covenant. It didn't end. So how does, um, how did the dispensation of promise end as far as what did God have to do to step in? What happened to that nation? They ended up in idol worship. They ended up in idol worship. God sent them to Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. Get Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter number 16. Innocence. We talked about it. Man turns away from God. God has to step in. Okay, conscience. You know what man does? He turns away from God. Okay, that don't work. God steps in. Human government. I'll get men to rule over them. Okay, how'd that work? Men turn away from God. Promises. We saw the deception and then the, the failure. And how'd that work out? Men turn away from God. And the second main point out of all of these dispensations is the understanding that God has to continually step in and help man out because we can't help ourselves. Gen Exodus chapter 16, the Bible says in verse 1, they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. 
And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. That's man. That's man. It ended in failure. You saw they dwelt in Egypt. We looked at Genesis chapter 12. And the judgment was Egyptian bondage. Let's look at that. Go back to Exodus chapter 1. I should have went there first. Exodus chapter number 1. Okay, yeah. Verse number, uh, let's just start at verse number seven in Exodus one. The children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier, are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh, Cheshire cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with vigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. That's bad news. They're in bondage. Taskmasters. I'm going through all this scripture and I'm trying to point out as we wrap this idea up. God's got to step in again. And when God steps in, Exodus 3, he sends a deliverer. <laughs> Moses. Each one of these dispensations that we go through, we've got to see at the end how God steps in and what God does to intervene with mankind because they always mess up. The grace of God shows up. Exodus chapter number three. Let's read some more verses. I know this isn't preaching stuff, but I want to get some <coughs> I want to get some understanding of these dispensations on Sunday night. So verse number one. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law priest of Midian. They led the flock to the backside of the desert, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. 
Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Well, there's some preaching right there. What are you doing when God calls you? Fill in your name where Moses' name is. What's your response? Oh, you know, Lord, I've got to work. <laughs> you know, Lord, I've got something else to do. You know, Lord, I'm kind of busy. I got a bunch of farm chores to do. Now, Moses, he said, what did he say? I lost my spot. Here am I. I want to raise my hand. If God calls, I want to raise my hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready, God. Well, there's no burning bush. <laughs> we just... We just come up with all types of ways. The proper response is, here am I. Here am I. <laughs> Verse 5, and he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. The place where all thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, masters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Under the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And God raises up Moses as the deliverer. So what do we have in this dispensation of promise? It begins in Genesis 12 with the call of Abraham. The blessings and the promises that God talks about during that time is for the Hebrew patriarchs. This truth was dispensed, yes, in Genesis chapter 12. But its duration is continuing, hasn't stopped. Now, it's not for us, but there's, a, but there's just a problem with saying, well, God's done with that. God's not done with that nation. Okay, so we have, we talked about innocence. We talked about conscience. We talked about human government. We talked about promise. God had to step in and intervene. He sends Moses as the deliverer. And we're going to be in Exodus 19. And there's going to be the next dispensation we're going to look at, which is going to be the law, which is going to be law. How many of you think God's going to have to step in and intervene after that one, too? <laughs> yeah, he certainly is.
Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.